0: Christchurch, New Milton, 1st of March 2020, 6.30 service. Becky Mills speaking in the series Lent 2020, Carbon Fast for Creation. What can we do about our CO2? Right, what can we do about our CO2? You say you love your children above all else. Yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. That's a quote from our climate change global superstar, Greta Thunberg. When she first heard about the climate crisis, she panicked. She lost so much weight, it stunted her growth. She persuaded her family to go vegan, stop flying and buy an electric car. But it wasn't enough for Greta. She started the school strike for climate protests promoting hashtag Fridays for Future alongside millions of school children and now adults across the globe to demand that politicians, governments and big businesses take action on climate change. When we get scary messages from climate change activists, how do we react? Is it too distant, too remote to bother us? Do we switch off from it because we we don't feel we can have any impact? Do we deny it's happening and cheer ourselves up by thinking about something else? Do we feel guilty, lose sleep over it? Or do we concentrate on doing something positive to make a difference? We need to act not just for the sake of the future of God's Earth, our children and grandchildren, but for people in low-income countries who are suffering the devastating effects of climate change right now and have done the least to deserve it. How many of you have given up chocolate or alcohol cakes or biscuits for Lent in the past? Yep. I'm not saying these things are bad in themselves, not at all. It's better to give up something than nothing at all, like me. I've rarely successfully given up anything in Lent in the past. I never quite make it, it's just bad, really. But what sort of fasting does God require of us? In Isaiah 58, he doesn't seem impressed with people bowing their heads like bent reeds and lying about in sackcloth and ashes. In Isaiah 58, 6-7, God says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. God wants freedom and justice for people who are oppressed, hungry, and destitute. And he wants us to safeguard our families. I think this passage and Matthew 23 that we also heard read tie in beautifully with our Lenten fast for creation. We think of ourselves far too frequently just as individuals separated from one another. Whereas we're connected And what we do affects not only the future of our families, but the whole world. Loving our neighbour is all about our connectedness with the rest of humanity. And our focus this Lent is climate-vulnerable communities in low-income countries. They are oppressed by the effects of the developing world's relentless pursuit of economic growth, which leaves them hungry, dispossessed, and displaced in their hundreds of thousands. Since the 18th century, meteorologists have been monitoring and recording the weather. These records show that the Earth's atmosphere is beginning to get warmer, which is causing our weather patterns and our climate in the different climate zones over the world to change. A bit of revision for most of you, I expect. So why is the Earth getting warmer? What's going on? The sun obviously plays an important role in deciding the Earth's climate. Most sunlight passes through the atmosphere and warms the Earth. The atmosphere is the layer of gases surrounding the Earth. Most of the heat surrounding the Earth escapes into outer space, and this cools the Earth. But some of this heat is trapped by gases in the atmosphere, and this reduces the cooling effect. These gases act like a blanket, letting in sunlight but trapping the heat it produces. These gases include carbon dioxide or CO2 and methane, and there are others, obviously. This process is called the greenhouse effect. A greenhouse is made of glass, allowing sunlight to pass through and warm the air and plants inside. The heat that isn't absorbed by plants is trapped by the glass and can't escape. Throughout daylight hours, sunlight keeps coming through the glass, adding more and more heat energy. So the inside gets warmer and warmer and continues to stay warm after the sun sets. A greenhouse is so successful at growing plants all year round, even when it's too cold outside for some plants to thrive. How? Because the air inside the greenhouse naturally stays warmer than the air outside. The process that warms the planet works in a similar way to a greenhouse. That's putting the whole process in very simple terms, of course, but it helps us to understand the problem. The best available climate science claims that most of the warming in the last 100 years comes from increased gases like carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere, so we call them greenhouse gases. These gases are naturally... In the air around us. But our everyday activities have increased the amount of these gases and it's not just a question of the climate climate getting warmer. Some places will get colder, there will be more storms and violent weather patterns and the weather will become less predictable. So what are all the activities that have increased the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere? See if you can match the human activity to the percentage of greenhouse gas emissions. OK, you've got, it. You've got um, bits of scrap paper on the table and pencils. I'll give you a couple of minutes. Some of you have already done the quiz this morning, so obviously you will be off the hook. <laughs> OK, are you ready for the answers? But, here are the answers. Did you have some surprises? I was quite surprised that agriculture contributes more to global warming than industry. But the overall picture is that the burning of fossil fuels for heat, electricity, production of goods, transport, buildings and other energy contributes the most. We have to feed the world, don't we? And producing staples like rice in lower income countries is essential. Unlike luxury foods like a daily portion of meat and fish that people are used to in the developing world. So we've got electricity and heat production, 25%. The burning of coal, natural gas, and oil for electricity and heat is the largest single source of global greenhouse gas emissions. Agriculture comes next, 24%. Cultivation of crops and livestock and deforestation. Industry, 21%. Fossil fuels burned in factories for energy and production of goods. Transport, 14%. Fossil fuels burned for transport by road, rail, air and ship. Almost all the world's transportation energy comes from petrol and diesel. Buildings, 6%. Fossil fuels burned for heat in buildings or cooking in homes and other energy, 10%, hasn't been covered by the other alternatives. Nearly everything we do releases some amount of CO2 into the atmosphere, and that, of course, is called our carbon footprint. The size of our carbon footprint depends on a huge number of factors. We can increase or decrease our carbon footprint with our everyday choices. For example, the food we buy needs energy to work the machinery to help it grow, to harvest it, to package it, and transport it to where you bought it from. Then more energy is used when we cook that food, which adds even more to our carbon footprint. Now, how does our carbon footprint compare with other nations in the world? How responsible are we compared to other nations? Next quiz. Can you match the carbon footprint per person With the country, there are nine. Okay, everybody. Okay, here are the answers. I I've written the countries in ranking order. So the country with the biggest carbon footprint per person, the United Arab Emirates, with twenty seven point one, was in the top. left hand corner of the previous slide, and so I'd written all the other countries in a ranking order. Did anyone guess that? That was a bit of a cheat, wasn't it, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, 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 good point. Yeah, air conditioning um, is, is huge, isn't it, in terms of its carbon footprint. Any surprises? Well, people often think China and India are are more responsible than us. Yeah. But when you calculate it per capita, you can see that in terms of our lifestyle, we're more responsible for the increase in CO2 than China, and way more responsible than India. That was quite an interesting exercise, wasn't it? And you can see there, um, with the different blobs over the different countries, who is most responsible? And clearly, Europe and the Middle East is most responsible and we've got blobs there over the USA obviously which is quite high in the ranking order in Australia Um, but you can see that in China um, there are a few small blobs and there are hardly any in India at all the destructive effects of climate change are everywhere Polar ice is melting, leading to rising sea levels. In 2019, cyclones were lashing Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh and Southeast Africa, leaving destruction in their wake. Rainfall patterns are shifting, causing devastating droughts and floods, deluging entire towns in Southeast Spain. Just look at that. Hurricane Dorian lashed the Bahamas. There was a record-breaking heat wave in southern Australia with temperatures in the mid-40s for 40 days in a row in some areas. Forest fires raged in Victoria, Australia, and in the Amazon forest. France recorded its highest ever temperature of 45.9 degrees. In July, temperature records were broken in Belgium, Germany, and the Netherlands during the planet's hottest month on record. In 2015, 195 nations signed a crucial climate agreement, a Paris agreement, to limit the rise in temperature to no more than 2 degrees, and ideally less than 1.5 degrees. The Climate Action Summit with 70 world leaders took place in September 2019 to look at progress. The goal the world needs to achieve is net zero emissions by 2050. That means that with, for example, planting trees and other technologies, and schemes to reduce CO2, we will be balancing CO2 emissions with carbon removal. Despite all the scientific evidence, though, all the destruction, all the suffering and massive loss of lives and livelihoods, especially in low-income countries, all all the global pledges, strikes, and marches, CO2 emissions continue to rise. If we've not taken dramatic action within the next decade, we could face irreversible damage to God's world and the collapse of our societies. As always, our response as Christians is shaped for us by the Bible. In the Gospel of Matthew, an expert in the law asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The climate crisis we're facing is a symptom of our failure to love God and to love our neighbour. Our calling is to see creation through God's eyes. Before God created humans, he saw that his creation was good. Creation is a gift from God, and in Psalm 104 it says, he makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. Taking responsibility for the climate crisis is a crucial part Of loving the planet and honouring it as a good gift from God. Jesus said it is our second most important duty and responsibility to love our neighbour. Climate change causes extreme weather which tears down homes, destroys crops, displaces hundreds of thousands of people and forces children out of schools that are damaged or have become evacuation centres. Lower-income countries don't have the means to build defences against extreme weather. We need a vision for understanding how to honour God by caring for his creation and loving our neighbours. Not only our geographical neighbours, but our global neighbours. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must take action, because we have the power to. We must love our neighbour, because it's our calling. And we must challenge ourselves to grapple with the science and the truth of the situation, because we are of a sound mind. The Carbon Fast is a brilliant way of showing that we love and honour God and our neighbour. We have to be willing to cross political, racial, cultural and social barriers when we see someone with a need and have the resources to meet that need. It's not enough to just see the need and have compassion. We have to follow that through with action. So often when we seek to love people, we start off with good intentions but we struggle to follow through. When we love God with all our strength, we will follow through in our commitment by doing whatever it takes. Pick up a hard copy of the calendar today. Don't give up on it. Sign up for our daily carbon fast email or download the calendar on the homepage of the church website or via the link on the digital weekly update. The first week is a week of preparation to help us understand and galvanize us into action. We'll be discovering our own individual carbon footprint and thinking about how we can reduce it. We'll be getting powered up for climate justice and and praying for those most affected by it. We will be committing ourselves to the Lenten fast and encouraging our family and friends to take part too. And if you're familiar with Twitter, you can use hashtag CCNMLent2020 and join in the conversation with other Christchurch members and their families and friends. Find out how others are doing with their daily challenges. So what can we do about our CO2? There are masses of ideas on the Lenten Fast for Creation calendar. Each week has a different theme, waste, energy, food, water, and nature. Completing all these challenges will help us understand and galvanize us into action creation is god's gift for us to enjoy in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind psalm 96 says let the heavens rejoice let the earth be glad let the sea resound and all that is in it let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Don't steal this wonderful vision from your children, your grandchildren, or your global neighbors. Act now. Amen.